Fatherhood is the most difficult thing I've done in life. After 11 years, some days, I still feel like I don't have a clue. The game changes every day, and sometimes by the hour. So how do other guys do it? I'm Brett Farrell, and in this series, I'll be talking with fathers to see how they navigate this thing called fatherhood. So tell me, you ready to roll, Tim? I'm ready when you are. I've no idea what we're doing, but... In this episode, I'll be talking to musician and UK's Big Church Day Out founder, Tim Jupp, who spent 17 years playing keyboards on the road with worship band Delirious. And I can't say I dreamt of being a dad or it was an aspiration in that, in the same way maybe the band was, but it was always something you kind of knew would happen. Delirious paved the way for Christian worship music across the globe as one of the first bands to make a full-time living from album sales and touring. We had five guys in our band, I think it was 16 kids across all of us. Out of all of that, none of us ever missed a birth. Delirious played to millions of people, sharing the gospel through their music for 17 years. But back at home, life didn't stop for Tim's wife, Becca, and their four children. Just because Daddy was seeing God move in other nations didn't mean it was happening back at home. I just told her about the most amazing place I was, and then she launched into, well, I've got four kids here, three of them have been sick today, we were up all last night. During the English summer, the children would travel with the band, and over the years, the number of children grew to 16. I loved it. I think for the, for the girls on tour, it was really, really hard work. Delirious wrapped up 10 years ago, just in time for Tim to enjoy the teenage years at home. You talk, you'll have all our girls in our house, and one minute they're talking about their periods, and the next second they're talking about Jesus. You know, It's just like it could flip from one to the other. Without any warning, it's just like that in our house all the time. We'll be talking about touring, teenagers, and the power of talking. I'm Brett Farrell, and this is Fatherhood. Tim Jupp, thank you for joining us today to talk about fatherhood. That's great to be with you. You run one of Britain's biggest music festivals. So tell me, are you the coolest dad ever? No, I'm probably the most embarrassing dad ever, which is what the right answer probably is. If you ask any kid, isn't it? All dads are supposed to be embarrassing. So what is it? Are you are you on stage the whole time? Or is it pretty much these days sitting in an office booking bands and acts? Yep, yeah, it's in the office. We have a full-time team of about 15 people. And uh, funny enough, we can get onto this later, two of those are my kids. So that's a strange oh. thing, isn't it? So I can't be too embarrassing if they're happy to work with me. So... Two of them are on our team and we spend all year planning one two-day event in a field and it could rain. So it's a bit crazy. It's a little bit different to the job you used to have. Well, the job before this one, which finished 10 years ago now in 2009, I was in a band called Delirious. So we, And I did that for 17 years. So that was a massive chunk of my life. Um, started off in 1992, ended in 2009. How old are your kids when you go out on the road touring with Delirious? Well, mine were... I've got four kids all together. They're pretty much two years apart. So when we started touring, the youngest wasn't even born. So we had kids during that process. Our eldest is Rosie. She was born in 94 and we really started touring in 96, kind of internationally. Um, and so we really kind of had children early on on that journey. 
And I think that was quite a good thing in a way because I think had we gone a long way down that path without children, you probably would have had a different rhythm which you would have then had to have pulled back from once the kids came along because I think they were there for always a consideration in how do we do life doing a band because a band thing is really not a job for parents it's a single it's a single person's life you don't need to be in a rock band to work out that traveling is a single person's game fatherhood changes all our commitments and sometimes we'll miss things just trying to keep up and when they get to the age of consciousness they start to understand your dad goes away you come back but they miss you what did you miss? Did you miss school functions, assemblies, special awards, parent days? What was that like for you? I missed all that stuff. The one good thing is, across fi- we had five guys in our band, I think it was 16 kids across all of us. Out of all of that, none of us ever missed a birth. I think oh, that's wow. the big one. I've met guys in other bands who've missed births, and they definitely have regrets about that. Oh, so wow. nobody ever missed a birth. But definitely we did miss birthdays miss some of those key things and sometimes they're things that as a parent they're more key to you to you than they are to the kids because i think with 16 kids across all of us had we stopped for every birthday every everything we would have you know never got never got out the door what's it like as a father you're on the other side of the world and you know it's one of your kids birthdays what's that feel like when you're just back in the hotel room alone at night Oh, it feels, I mean, you feel guilty, don't you? I mean, even you and I chatting here today, Brett, we sit in here talking across the world, watching each other on FaceTime. We, we, <laughs> this shows my age, though, but we grew up pre-FaceTime, and so you couldn't even do that. And I know that even that makes a difference for families these days that are spread across the world. But, I mean, that was really hard. And you do feel guilty. You feel guilty because your children are not being there you feel guilty because your wife is carrying whatever that occasion is on her own and I think yes it was never easy without all the technology during the I guess the from 96 through to 2009 how did you stay in touch with her family what was it like to try and communicate uh, just phone really yeah we'd be on the phone and often when you've got young children, that doesn't really go far. <laughs> they're, no. not ones for ch- they're not ones for chatting for 20 minutes no, on how's the phone. Good. I mean, the biggest thing I remember of that, of course, is you have to be so on it with your time differences. Because it's so often, I mean, I can just remember so many times, you, you know, the kids are in a routine at home and they've gone to bed whenever it was, 7 o'clock or whenever that bedtime would be. And then you're suddenly 30 minutes later and you're like, oh, no, I've missed it. I've missed it. You're in the middle of your day in some other corner of the earth somewhere. And uh, you suddenly realise they've gone to bed and there's another whole day and you haven't talked to them. And uh, so I can remember that so many times messing up, forgetting the times. Were there ever times you came home from maybe your two weeks in America and some decisions had been made around the house. Things got changed, things got bought, things got decided in your absence, and you just didn't like it. Yeah, you just learned to shut up quick then. The thing was, <laughs> if I wasn't there, if I wasn't there to be part of that, I can't do anything about that. And I don't want to impose myself. 
You know, one of the other things you learn as a parent, isn't it? It's funny is you learn this as an adult, really, even before you're a parent. I think as you're growing up as a kid, you, for most of your childhood, you sort of have this perception that your parents have done the growing up. So they've become a complete person. As I became a parent, I'm suddenly thinking, oh, wow, I don't want my children thinking that I'm, I'm not the perfect person. I think the best thing is as soon as they're able to understand um, that we're not, that we're still life, working life out too and we haven't got everything perfect. And to be vulnerable with them, I would say, be vulnerable with your children, say that you don't understand everything and what you find hard and what you find easy. I think the sooner you do that, the sooner you help them to become more self-aware themselves and it just helps in your relationship with them too. I can't imagine how hard being away from home for the entire band would have been without technology being so accessible. Even with FaceTime and all the new technology, that separation of space and time can't really replace face-to-face conversations, a cuddle and that one-on-one attention. I struggled when my wife was away weeks at a time. Our youngest one would cry for hours when her taxi drove off, and then arranging FaceTime around work schedules and dinner and bedtimes, it wasn't easy. Until now, I never really thought about it from her journey, the one being separated from us and then rejoining back into family life. Was that harder on Becker as well, like having to, I guess, not only raise the kids in your absences? Did she take the role of primarily as disciplinarian in the house as well, or was that still yours to deal with? Yeah, I think when you're away, that's that's always a, a tough one because if you're away long enough, they can certainly get into a little bit of a rhythm. You know, Becker would have her boundaries with the kids, and of course, the, the funny thing is when you come back, probably I imagine it's often out of guilt or whatever, you feel, you know, you want to spoil them really. And then you, but you've got to make sure as well that together as a couple, you know, you two are chatting and you're aware of, you know, what might have been difficult when you're away and what boundaries were put in place because you've got to stick with that together. I think that could be something that has the potential to be not helpful to the kids. Yeah, daddy's home, ice cream for everyone. Yeah, exactly. It's like the mum's got one set of rules and the dad's got another. <laughs> Some of us work long hours and maybe go away once or twice a week to visit foreign cities. What gives us a few tips on how to make it work with your wife. Well, I think the first tip I learned in parenting was is that all those parenting books seem to be a nonsense to me. <laughs> I think, I, th- I think, I think like a lot one? of parents... Well, I think, you know, it's like when you first have kids and everyone's you know it's a funny thing isn't it being a parent because it's kind of like the line that no one crosses it's like your friends and then often even your parents no one's supposed to tell another parent how to bring their kids up so there is there is a little bit of a sense of isolation i think for all parents where you're supposed to you know so sometimes i think people think well i'll turn to these books on parenting but from my from my perspective i soon learned that they were pretty meaningless because, and I and I felt like no, everyone's making this up as they go along. I think we all are, Tim. I soon discovered there wasn't a rule book, there wasn't a manual for this. Every day's different. Of course, having four children, the most profound thing is, is that all children are different too, completely different. And then you, you know, you we all have that as parents, and you think, as soon as you've had more than one, you think, well, we didn't do anything different. They've all come out completely different. So. There's their whole uniqueness as people themselves. 
So you might live in the same environment together as a family, but with completely different challenges from one child to another. I mean, the way we managed everything in life like that, not only the parenting, everything has ultimately to be our relationship, which is founded on communication and love and trust. And I think Becca and I would have talked about everything. So, you know, you go back to those questions that you asked about what was it like when we were away. Well, probably most of those communications was me on the phone to Becca talking about the children all the time. So you were fully aware of everything that was going on. So you weren't absent in that sense of together you're working out, oh, what, what, what are we going to do here? What are we going to do there? Knowing that, you know, you soon get used, don't you, as a parent to something coming along all the time. Thinking, well, we've not dealt with this one before. It's refreshing in a we're not the only ones kind of way that each stage of our growing children's journey, there is always going to be that element of surprise or horror. We all know that any boy can father a child, but how can we know that what we're doing is, well, not going to mess them up? How did you know, or maybe your wife know, that the kids are okay? Well, I think the answer is you don't... How do you know if your kids are okay? I mean, you only know what they are, where they're at today, don't you, in some ways? And, um, I mean, I can look back now and think, oh, my kids are okay, that's amazing, despite all that and despite there being periods of time when I was travelling and I'm not there and we weren't together. If you look back now and thought that's what life would be like, should we take that route, you'd probably think, mm, I'm not sure if that's the wisest thing because that really could have an effect on the kids. I mean, I guess the truth is my kids are who they are and had we not have had that rhythm to life and I'd been a more regular nine to five, mon- Monday to Friday guy, I don't know what that would have looked like either. I don't know whether they would have turned out different now. I think for my children, because they grew up in it, they didn't know anything different. But I do really, really remember how, for all of them, it was really different and sometimes more difficult and sometimes easier at different stages. You know, when they're newborn and you go away, they don't even know you're their dad. They yeah. let alone know the fact you've gone away. You know, and as they grow old and become a toddler or something, then you have that bond, you have that relationship, they have a sense that you've gone away, but they've got no idea if you're ever coming back. And they have no concept of time. So you can't say to a two-year-old, okay, dad will be home in a week. They have no idea what a week is. That's the interesting thing, that rhythm of life. Can you explain what that rhythm was like you know I guess from your dad's point of view oh, I think from my point of view on one hand I was kind of running after a dream something I had always wanted to be part of and then the family thing comes along and I can't say I dreamt of being a dad or it was an aspiration in that in the same way maybe the band was but it was always something you kind of knew would happen I think that it's just such a different thing, isn't it? I mean, when you become a parent, it's just such an instant thing. I think in your journey of what you do day to day, that's more like a journey and then you do this and then next week you do something else and it grows and it develops and it kind of goes down that path. But the parenthood thing is so different, isn't it? Because one minute you're not and the next second you are. 
that moment in time you change from not a father to a father, there's no way back. Your life as a family starts with no off-ramp or license required. One minute, you're on stage in front of thousands of people leading them to worship. And next, you're home to crying babies and nappies. You've just come off the stage, 30,000, 50,000 people you've performed in front of. You're probably feeling pretty good about life. And then you get on the phone and Becca's like, oh, you won't believe what happened today. One of the kids did this and I don't It's really stressed me out. And does that bring you back down to earth pretty quickly? Yeah, I think you learn pretty quick though, doing that, that. The last thing you do is you phone up and say, hey, you never guess what happened. I'm brilliant and the crowd was great. And <laughs> like, I, I, I can remember making a massive, massive mistake once. And I was in Hawaii and I'd never been to Hawaii before. And I was so excited. I just had to phone home and tell her. And we'd been put up in this amazing hotel right on the beach. And uh, I stood out on the balcony and looked at the ocean. And it was the most beautiful place I'd ever seen. And I thought, oh, I've got to... Sh-. You know, because that's the funny thing, is, isn't it? When something amazing happens in your life, the first thing you want to do is kind of share it with those you love the most. And I remember picking up the phone and calling home. And I hadn't had the opportunity or, you know, the you know sensitivity to ask how her day was and I just told her about the most amazing place I was and then she launched into well I've got four kids here three of them have been sick today we were up all last night no it's been a terrible day and you you know you just sink don't you and you think oh wow I've learned (laughs) that lesson I'm not gonna do that again so from then onwards every day we'd always phone up and say it was a terrible day (laughs) <laughs> it's raining here, can't see the beach. It's raining, it's terrible, the crowd are terrible, no one turned up at the gig. <laughs> I understand you took the kids on tour with you sometimes in America, the whole band, plus wives, plus kids. So what's that, 10 adults, 16 kids, crew? What's yeah, it we like did that. Take- it was, I think it was about 35 people travelling, and we were over three or four tour buses. That's the ultimate bring your kids to work day. That is How is it trying to do your job and have that going around you? Well, I think the thing about that is that that's definitely one where you can talk to me and you can talk to Becca and you might get a different story. (laughs) All right. What do you think Becca's story might sound like? I I loved it. I think for for the girls on tour, it was really, really hard work. Really hard work. But we knew early on that for the kids, it was an amazing experience. And if you ask my children now, sort of even 10, 15 years on from doing that, I mean, my kids have seen every state in America numerous times. They spent 10 years of their life spending a month in in America every year touring. And if you ask them today what's their most profound and favourite childhood memory, it's always going on tour for all of them. In fact, all the kids... It was an amazing, amazing experience for them. But I think it's hard to quantify what influence does that have on them. I think they see their parents going for stuff that they're going for their dreams. They see their parents, you know, paying a cost for something that they think is worthwhile. I think they see that the world's a small place and they grow up and think anything's possible. Um, So you have that and my, my kids would readily travel now anywhere and they wouldn't think twice about it. How did the kids feel when the band ended? I think they were heartbroken. I think because the band had gone so on so long, 
my kids actually grew up with it mm-hmm. so they'd never known a different rhythm to life and uh, it was kind of the river we swam in really all their lives yeah. and so when it went for them it was a sad thing there was a lot of grief so what's more important for your kids you being there for them or your kids seeing you fulfilled well the most important thing for your kids is your relationship with them and I think we just had to manage that in a slightly different way to people who don't go away but I think the fundamentals of what grounds that relationship are probably no different are they I mean it's it's communication it's time you know loving your kids I don't think that changes just because my job was one that went away we, we don't look back and have any regrets we can we can definitely say that I think we could look back and say well what would would the outcomes been different if we hadn't had this life and I guess don't know the answer to that but I think what we do know the answer is is that we felt we were always doing the thing that God has called us to do and that's what what we what we were going to do and we would still be doing that today although today I don't travel so much I still do things for the same reason and for Tim that reason is to bring worship and celebrate all that is good so that the world may see the cost of absent will look different for each of us but I think my job as a dad is to train teach and from what I'm getting from Tim to talk what does a faith conversation look like in your house? Say now, the kids are older. You're not sort of teaching them little stories about the Bible anymore. What, what does a faith conversation look like now? Well, it's great now. I enjoy it now because it's a genuine conversation about their own real personal journey with it. Now, of course, all the kids would say, all, all became Christians when they were quite young, but I think we all know that that's an evolving journey and an, and an understanding and as much as they were brought up in a Christian home and at an early age may have said, yes, I'm a Christian and want to follow Jesus and that kind of thing, I think you see that really becoming a re- reality as they yeah. become in, in their teens and early adult years. And I think that's just a really real conversation. It's really natural in our house. So you can be talking about, you know, you, you talk, you'll have all our girls in our house and one minute they're talking about their periods and the next second they're talking about Jesus, you know. It's just like, it could be flipped from one to the other without any warning. It's just like that in our house all the time. <laughs> Going to catch my breath there. Yeah, it's scary. it's scary. It's scary for the two guys in the house. I guess you, you're through the teens, you survived that. What's fatherhood look like there? Oh, I love it at the minute because they're all young adults and I love that stage because for us actually it's still about conversation but it's definitely like an adult two-way conversation. So we're still, I would, I would say the outcomes are we're all really good at chatting to each other and I think the kids are good at chatting to, they're good at chatting to their siblings um, and I have to say that I don't take responsibility for that. I think... Becca, my wife, has been amazing at always pursuing openness and conversation. And also because we've got three girls and one boy, too. So I guess you're outgunned, mate. Yeah, we are outgunned. There's a lot of uh, hormones in our house, I tell you. So, um, you know, she leans in to those conversations with the girls a lot. I mean, I think she's talked to me. I think I had a probably slightly more 
closed upbringing with my parents where there was probably a lot of stuff that wasn't quite talked about. So I would say even I've learned out of that. What's your best dad memory? Best memories is us as a family is doing holidays together when it's just us. I think as my wife leads our church, we have a very busy house. We like that. There's always people here. Even when our kids are here, there's usually other people here. So I do love the memories. And even the recent memories are great where we've gone on holiday as a family and you're doing kind of, you know, you can sit around with your kids and have a beer in the evening and play cards together on holiday. Something you couldn't do 10 years ago. Yeah, you know, always. This is there. There are there are adult kids out with that. Yeah, right? well, they, yeah, yeah. Well, they, well, we well, we used to have the beer, but we didn't play cards then. You know, <laughs> so and I love that. I love that kind of thing where there feels like I think that, where there feels a bit more parity where we're both adults. Yeah, you know, you're always going to be the parent, aren't you? Talking. Is that it? Is that the? Is that what we should be doing with our kids? That is talking. it, yeah. That is talking, is it, yeah. And I think, you know, I think one of our children, um, without mentioning names, in their teenage years shut down on us for probably three years and never talked to us, And we, but we never stopped talking to them. And in the end, they came through. That was their teenage angst years. And even in that, when they stopped talking to us, we just kept talking to them. In right. fact, that child is now very chatty with us. And um, I think that's the main thing. And I think I think in that talkingness, you have to be vulnerable. You have to be... You talk about the good things. You talk about the bad things. But I think communication is key in it all, as it is with your partner. For whatever the reason to travel, or just being absent from the family... It seems that one of the keys is to communicate with your wife and your kids, honest and vulnerable, and keeping the lines of communication open. So let's all talk. I hope that you gain some valuable ideas and tips, and I would love you to join me as I continue to chat to fathers, expanding my dad's skills and navigating my way through fatherhood. So Tim, what's it like working with your kids? Well, that's a, yeah, that's a weird one. I definitely That's definitely not in the manual either. I think the first first thing is make sure you if you work with them don't manage them and I think getting back to the thing of your kids seeing that you aren't perfect I think that's definitely an environment where that plays out and then, and then you've got your kids you know <laughs> you've got your millennial kids telling you well, you should be doing this and you should be doing that and, and half the time they're completely wrong <laughs> Tim Jupp thank you for sharing your take on fatherhood Thank you very much. Thank you to the show's producer and editor, Loretta Farrell, and to Tim for talking to me from across the globe. I'm Brett Farrell, and this is Fatherhood.